0: You're talking to someone made by God, with God-given personhood. This means they are intrinsically, fundamentally invaluable and worthy of respect and even honor. Hello, you're listening to the Greek To Me podcast, a daily discovery of the New Testament scriptures one word at a time. We hope today's podcast helps you better understand and appreciate God's word. Hi, today's word is Anthropos. In James chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, we read, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. The word I want to draw out here is the word people, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. The word Anthropos means man, it means mankind, and again, generally speaking, it means people. There are two words in the Greek which mean man, aner, which refers to a male individual of the human race, and anthropos, our word here, which is the racial, generic term, which has the general idea of mankind. It refers to the entire human race, including male and female, as both created in the image of God and equally vested with individual personhood and identity. You can hear anthropos in our word anthropology, or the study of man or mankind. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it tells us God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female, He created them. You can already hear there both general generic term and just very specific gender terms. That is that mankind then is made uniquely like God in ways that nothing else in creation ever was, not even the angels. In short, it is to say that we have both a body and we have a soul. This means more than the fact that we are simply more advanced intellectually or emotionally than animals. This means we are profoundly relational and spiritual beings, the likes of which only a Trinitarian God could understand and design. While there are attributes of God that he has not shared with mankind, such as his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience, his self-existence, We do bear what are called the communicable attributes of God. These are those attributes that are communicated or transferred to us by God. We are thus capable of goodness, love, justice, kindness, relationship, truthfulness, invention, wisdom, and more. It is in this way that we are created in the image of God or the imago Dei to say it in Latin. And it is by these faculties that we are able to know, love, and worship God. It is also by these faculties that we are held accountable for our sin. We are, in a very real sense, God's children by nature of creation. As Paul writes in Acts chapter 17, we are, quote, indeed the offspring of God. And because we're created in the image of God, our Father by creation, the blessing of being like God, Comes along with the responsibility to act like God. This truth is what compels Peter to write in 1 Peter 1: As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And God has even graciously revealed to us in his law who he is and how we are to be holy as he is holy. And this may seem entirely unfair to us, and yet our eternally holy God happens to, in this case, demand what he deserves of us, and he is free to do so. We can actually somewhat relate to this, right? A father and a mother cares very deeply how their child behaves, say, in a store or at school. Why? Well, because they're responsible for their child and have a deep and abiding concern for their child, whereas, by comparison, they have Very little to no responsibility at all for other children in the store or their kids' classmates, and thus are generally not concerned with their behavior. God created us and loves us and wants us to know Him and to love Him and to be like Him. This means then that disobedience to God's law... Whenever we don't live like our Father, His image in us is cracked. It's marked up. It's made dim. You can choose your analogy. And the problem is, since our first parents, Adam and Eve, we can't help but do the same. They were the only two people truly free, at least initially, of the power of sin. They were created by God with the potential to sin, But because of the curse of sin and the effects of the fall that we read about in Genesis 3, all who were born after them were born not simply with the potential to sin, but with the propensity to do so. This is precisely why sending a Savior was baked into the plan of God all along. John writes in John chapter 3, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Verse 19 of chapter 3, we get to the point here, and this is the judgment then. The light has come into the world, and people, that is mankind, Anthropos, love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil." mankind, conceived and born into sin, to quote David in Psalm 51, loves the darkness and naturally does evil and has evil intent. The imago that the image of God, has been disfigured by sin, and our nature, our sin nature, has irrevocably overridden our God nature. This is the bad news, but there is good news. There is the good news, otherwise known as the gospel, and that is that Jesus has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. He has perfectly imaged, uh, lived like his Father. He has perfectly done what we are expected to do, responsible to do, in a way that we were never capable of doing. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that, As in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So in that we know those who put their faith in Christ, and it is only those who are found in Christ then, is their imago day, their image of God in them restored. And it is only in Christ, broadly speaking, that the image of God is restored to mankind. And only when we are found in Christ are we made spiritually alive. A verse in James reminds us how inherently wrong it is to worship God and curse someone made in the image of God with the same tongue. Even if you felt like they deserved the verbal assault, you're talking to someone made by God with God-given personhood. This means they are intrinsically, fundamentally invaluable and worthy of respect and even honor. Even when we're sinners, we were sinners made in the image of God, and God miraculously restored that image in us. He graciously recreates us by His Spirit with a new heart to love Him and a mind that loves His law. In Christ, the new Adam, mankind is restored to his former glory before God and promised a future glorification in heaven where we can only imagine that our God-given capacities to know, love, and obey Him will be maximized for His glory and our good forever.